may I give you the, uh, the biography uh, of, of most Christians. We get saved. We uh, get baptized. We join the church. We read the Bible some. We pray some. We start tithing. And we, then we begin to learn what's right and wrong. I told you not long ago about that lady I won to Christ, and she was so happy. She said, look, I've got just a little martini left. Let's go drink to it. And uh, she didn't know any difference. She, she thought that, uh, that that was the thing to do. Nobody ever told her drinking was wrong. Um, so um, uh, then you learn all of a sudden. Remember when you found out for the first time it's wrong to drink? You recall when you found out for the first time it's wrong to, uh, to uh, smoke? Huh? Remember when you found the first time it's wrong to go to movies? Wasn't that a shocker to you? I remember the first time you came, you came, you came one Sunday and heard me preach, and I preached on the love of God, and you said, "Isn't that a nice, sweet man?" And uh, and uh, you're right. And uh, then uh, next came the next time, and I preached on heaven, and you said, "Boy, I like that." Remember that night I took off on ladies wearing britches. Remember that night, and you said, "Wow, what happened to that other fellow used to preach here?" And uh, so I uh, remember that when you found out that certain things were wrong. And then, boy, you got dead against him. I'll tell you one thing, boy, I wouldn't smoke a cigarette. It's the last thing I did. And I wouldn't dance, and I wouldn't go to the movies, and all of that. And, uh, and you found, and here's the biography, when you found somebody that did, boy, you were really upset. I mean, you, you scathed and scalded and scolded and, and, <laughs> and couldn't believe. Why? If that's Christianity, I want, I'm going to have anything to do with it. And uh, so forth. And so you were a little bit intolerant. And you found out that some, uh, some young lady in the church uh, was pregnant before she was married. And, boy, you, you rose up like all the rest of the Pharisees. Don't misunderstand me. I think it's wicked and vile and sinful. I'm not condoning that for a minute. But I'm saying once it's done and somebody comes to the altar and gets forgiveness, if God forgives, I did sure want to forgive. Now, that doesn't mean she's going to teach Sunday school class next week. It doesn't mean that... Um, <laughs> The fellow that uh, got her pregnant is going to be a deacon next month or a Sunday school teacher. Doesn't mean that at all. It just means when it's done and forgiveness is sought, forgiveness ought to be given. That's all. But remember how in those days you wouldn't do it. Boy, <laughs> you even wrote the preacher a letter if he spoke to anybody that committed a sin. And uh, you let him have it because, boy, I tell you what, he's condoning wrong. He's standing against, say, he's standing <laughs> for wrong <laughs> and so forth. And, uh, and boy, you were something else. And I, and I, and, by the way, I'd rather a person be that way than be the other way. I'd rather a person be too strict than too, than, than, than too, um, too loose. <laughs> oh, listen, <laughs> I always think about that, that prostitute over here in, in uh, Calumet City. One of our men, uh, a, one of our men who got saved over there, uh, got saved here, went back over there where he used to sin and told the gal over there uh, that uh, he got saved. And she couldn't believe it. So she came knocked on my door in my study. And she said, I want what that guy's got. And I said, okay. I told her about Jesus, and she got saved. She's in this room tonight, by the way. It's been years and years and years ago, and she's now a faithful servant of God. I told my mother about that. I said, Mama, guess what? I want a prostitute to Jesus the other day. And Mother said, that's good. You didn't talk to her, did you? And... So, uh, now, uh, Mother is a little, uh, has a little Pharisee blood in her. And, uh, but, I'll tell you what happens to Christians. Oh, we say, boy, that's, and we have no patience with anybody that, that does anything wrong. <laughs> and, and we, uh, we look down our nose at people if they, and, oh, and we, we lose our faith in Christianity. And then one day, 
It's your daughter. And your heart is broken. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's uh, your marriage. Or it's your son. And those things that used to shock you, all of a sudden, have invaded your domain. And if they have not yet, the day is going to come. It may be a brother or a sister, a mother, father, husband, wife. It may be a, uh, a mother. It may be a, a granddaughter, a grandson, or a boy, or a girl. <laughs> I'm saying it's going to come in your house one of these days. And then all of a sudden, mercy becomes more important to you than it ever has before. And long-suffering becomes more important to you than it ever has before. And patience and forgiveness becomes more important to you than it ever has before. <laughs> and then, all of a sudden, you can't understand why everybody else is like you used to be. And they look down on your son. They look down on your daughter. They look down on your mother or your father or your grandson or your granddaughter. And you can't understand that the same old cycle over and over and over again. Now, the Lord God tells us in Ephesians chapter number 4, he says that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Now, what grieves the Holy Spirit? Well, several things make him sad. The Holy Spirit sad when you're bitter. If you have bitterness in your heart, Holy Spirit is grieved about that. You're making him sad. If you have, um, you have wrath in your heart, you're mad at somebody, you're angry at somebody, the Bible says the Holy Spirit doesn't like that. He's grieved about that. And clamor and evil speaking, Holy Spirit's grieved when you speak evil about somebody. True or untrue, it grieves the Holy Spirit when you speak evil, when we speak evil about somebody. And malice, that grieves the Holy Spirit. But here's what makes him happy. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And here's the message. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now, the, the way that you get happy, the happy man is the man to whom the Lord does not impute sin. And to whom the Lord imputes righteousness. I said this morning, as you look at me right now, I, there's not one single sin charged against me in the books of heaven as far as my standing with God, his position with God is concerned. And the righteousness of Jesus Christ, every good thing about him is charged to my name and to my record. And the same thing can be said about every single person in this room. Blessed be God, when you got saved, God took all of your sins and wrote them against his own son. And God took all of his goodness and wrote that against you. And in the sight of God tonight, not one single sin is recorded. And that makes me happy to think about it. I mean, just stop to think that I have a perfect standing in the sight of God. I didn't say I was perfect. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. This mind is often too, 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 too dull. And these hands are often too weak. And this voice is often uh, too raspy. And this heart is often too cold. And these feet are often going in the wrong direction. And my motives are often wrong. And my intents are often wrong. And sometimes my disposition is not pleasing to my God. And sin, oh yes. Mistakes, oh yes. Weakness, oh yes. Frailty, oh yes. But blessed be God, not a one is charged against my record. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. That doesn't mean I never sin. It means God doesn't know about it. <laughs> I, I love that I said this morning. When it comes to my sins, God senile. When it comes to my sins, God had heart, has hardened the arteries around the brain. When it comes to my sins, God forgets them. He can't remember them. Say, remember old Hiles' sin yesterday? Oh, Lord, Lord said, no, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. I love it. I love it. I love it. And that's why I'm happy. But 
if you want to enlarge on that happiness because the Lord does not impute sin to you, then you go a step further and you quit imputing sin to others and then you'll be the happiest man. Happy is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Happiest is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin and who will not impute sin to others. Uh, let me uh, say this. We are to forgive like Jesus forgave. It says in Ephesians 4, 32, it says, uh, Even as Christ's sake hath forgiven you, are you supposed to give each other? What does that mean? That means the same way that Christ forgives me, I'm supposed to forgive you. And the same way that Christ forgives you, you're supposed to forgive me. And the same way that Christ forgives us, we're supposed to forgive each other. Now, let's examine that forgiveness that Christ makes usward. And in the first place, this. Christ forgives us indefinitely. He keeps on forgiving. And we're supposed to keep on forgiving. Peter said, Lord, how many times should I forgive? And God and, and Jesus said, uh, Peter said, seven times? Oh, no, said the Savior. Seventy times seven. <laughs> you do anything 490 times, and it's going to be in the, in the subconscious. I've told you about that time that I <laughs> was baptizing. <laughs> I used to baptize. And uh, I was baptizing, baptized 93 people that morning. And used to, I used to make a big speech uh, in obedience to the command of our Lord and Master, and upon a public profession of your faith in Him, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and now then, we just say, uh, <laughs> I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as it gets bigger, we're just going to say, uh, uh, dipped and, and dapped. And, uh, and, uh, but, uh, but anyway, I, uh, I raised my hand 93 times in obedience to the command of our Lord and Master. In obedience to the command of our Lord and Master. My arm got tired. In obedience to the command of our Lord and Master. Went home, phone rang. Picked up the phone, put it in the air. I said, obedience to the command of our Lord and Master on a public profession of your faith in Him. I, hello. And uh, now what was it? Ninety-three times got it in the subconscious. And that's the way I'm supposed to forgive. How did it get in the subconscious? <laughs> and <laughs> so when uh, you forgive and forgive and forgive, if you forgive 490, 490 times, then you'll keep on forgiving and keep on forgiving. And that's what God does, bless His name. And that's what we're supposed to do with each other. Then, <laughs> also, we're supposed to do what I preached about on a Sunday morning a few months ago. We're supposed to have justified forgiveness. We forgive somebody, we're supposed to treat them just if they had never sinned. When God forgives, God justifies. God does not see your sin. And then, three, God does not put it in the computer at all. And that means when you sin against me, I am supposed to forgive you and forgive you and forgive you. I'm supposed to treat you as if you had never sinned. And then I'm not supposed to put it in this computer here, so I will not remember your sin. Now, this will help the erring Christian. It will also help you. Somebody said, well, if that's Christianity, what she did, I don't want anything to do with it. Well, buddy, that's Christianity. Christianity is... Forgiven sinners. Christianity is being washed in the blood. Christianity is a bunch of sorry, dirty, hell-deserving sinners saved by the grace of God. Christianity is people who are not perfect stumbling and Jesus picking them up. Christianity is people who are saved, not living as they ought to live, and the mercy and grace and goodness of God forgives and forgives and forgives and forgives. 
I say Christianity is not a bunch of perfect relics demonstrating our perfection in church every Sunday. Well, yes, I'm not going to go down there with all those hypocrites. But it's a good thing you don't because you couldn't get in if hypocrites can't get in. Everybody in this house is a hypocrite. Everybody in this house, nobody here lives what you preach. <laughs> Somebody, well, you practice what you preach. Nobody does that, dummy. <laughs> I preach forgiveness. I don't always do it. I try, and I forgive more now than I used to. And uh, But I don't always do it. I'm saying that the Christianity <laughs> is God dealing in mercy with sinners and other sinners dealing in mercy with other sinners. That's what Christianity is. Well, it hurts Christianity. I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> uh, Christianity is, uh, is, is sinners whose sins are not imputed. Christianity is a sinner bought with a price. Christianity is imperfect, hell-deserving uh, sinners with the righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed to them. And if you only serve God till somebody disappoints you, you're not going to serve God very long. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Take your eyes off people and turn your eyes on Jesus. You say, well, I've just about lost all confidence in people, you say. I never have had any. But I love them anyway. <laughs> Brother, Brother Ray, I haven't got any confidence in you. You either, Larry. Especially you, Brother Lively. Not you, Brother John. <laughs> I'm saying this. I have confidence that you're sincere. I have confidence <laughs> that you're trying. <laughs> if I learn, if I learn tonight that one of you fellows beat your wife, I would not be surprised. I know your wives. <laughs> if any four women in this church deserve a beating, it's the wives. These men right here. <laughs> Especially that night then. <laughs> well, I'm serious. You say, are you condoning wife beating? Nope, not condoning it. Thanks to dirty sin. <laughs> but if I heard one of them did it, I wouldn't be surprised. If Brother Colson came to you tonight and said, I, I, can't, I can't stand Ray Young. He's a scoundrel. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I know Ray Young. <laughs> Let me tell you something, folks. Twenty-three years is a long time. I can't look anywhere in this room without finding people that I know things about. Twenty-three years? Look, let's face it. I can't fool you. Dr. Cal Streeter said a while ago, I walked out here. He said, you don't want to go to Germany, do you? I said, how'd you know? He said, I've known you long enough to know. Now I don't want to go to Germany. Don't want to go. I'm going, but I don't want to go. He knows it. Look, I can't fool you. I can get up here and 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 uh, and, and act like I'm happy, but I, you folks been through the years. You know me. I'm not. I'm not fooling you. You you know my weaknesses. You know my my ups and my downs, my highs and my lows, and I know yours. And we all are a bunch of sinners, imperfect, sincere, but imperfect sinners on our way to heaven in need of forgiveness and mercy and patience and long suffering. I'm saying, I love people anyway. And to be Christ-like, I must not record your sins. I must not <laughs> impute your sins to you. 
Now, I'm going to preach and preach and preach. And I'm going to warn and warn and warn. And I'm going to weep and weep and weep. <laughs> and I'm going to uh, cry and pray and forget and forget and forget. The little lady came not long ago. <laughs> she said, Brother Howe, <laughs> I won't ask you to forgive me. I said, what for? She said, that nasty letter I wrote you. She said, I, I want you to forgive me. And I said, what nasty letter is that? And she said, oh, you know what it is. <laughs> I wrote you a ten-page letter not long ago and let you have it because I wasn't happy with something going on. And she said, forgive me. And I said, I don't remember that letter. Why, she said, Brother House, how could you forget it? I said, I don't know, but I have forgotten it. Well, what, what happened? I did not impute that letter to her. <laughs> I didn't put it in the uh, in the computer. I didn't have it registered. I told you last week, but a young lady came to my office and said, Brother House, uh, you, uh, I thank you for your patience with me. And I said, why? And she said, well, I'm the young lady that, 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 that uh, had the baby out of wedlock, and uh, I appreciate your patience, and I, I'm right with God, and I appreciate you being a friend. When I was down, I didn't, I said, I'd forgotten about it. Why? I did not impute it. Now, I'm saying if we harbor things and put things that we do in the computer, we'll, we'll not have blessed fellowship. America came last week uh, to see us, week before last to see us. And, boy, we put on our, our Sunday go-to-meeting clothes, and, uh, and they saw us at our best. But the truth is, all of us are sinners. And if folk, folks, folks hear about this church... Boy, they, if I can get to heaven, I'll be there where all those perfect Christians are. Or as I know, there's only one perfect Christian here. And humility prevents me from mentioning who it is. And they get here. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> oh, they find out we have some long-tongued people, too. Starts the long-tongued sisters. We got some long-tongued brothers, too. <laughs> and, uh, oh, they're shocked. That great church. Yeah, we're a bunch of sinners. You're looking at a sinner saved by grace that ought to go to hell. You're looking at a bunch of sinners on the platform saved by grace that ought to go to hell. You're looking at a bunch of choir members saved by grace that ought to go to hell, especially some of them. And I'm saying that all of us are redeemed from sin. And God forgives us and forgives us and forgives and forgives. And all of that, God does not impute sin against us. And to be Christ-like, we cannot impute sin to each other. You say, well, how? That's impossible. That's impossible. Well, how is it impossible not to impute sin? I guess when you know what folks have done. Now, hold it. I'm not saying that a person robs a bank, he ought to be chosen or hired as a teller in that bank the next day. I think a person ought to prove himself. But I think as far as forfeiting our love and our kindness and our gentleness and our patience, when a person comes down to this altar and kneels on his face at this altar and says, God, I'm sorry, I want you to forgive me, that person is a child of God and God does not impute sin. As far as I'm concerned, that does it. He's restored. I don't believe that. You will when it's your family. Let me illustrate. My mama is here tonight. Mama, what kind of boy was I? Good boy. Mama, was I always a good boy? Answer me, mama. Yeah. 
Mama, you 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 go to my mama's house. Was Jack always good? Yeah, Jack was always a good boy. Yeah. <coughs> you know why? She never imputed <laughs> any sins. I mean, <coughs> now, if I was always a good boy, why did that peach tree in the backyard never have a peach on it? If I was always a good boy, why? And Mama said, you stay here, son. You stay here. And with a fire of judgment and indignation in her eyes, she went out to that. I can see her now taking a limb off that peach tree and coming back toward the house, uh, taking all the shock absorbers off, stripping the leaves <coughs> off. And then she'd come back and with my little legs sticking out, of my short britches. We used to wear short britches. And Mama would wail me across my little legs. She said, the devil's not going to get you. The devil's not going to get you. And she whacked me across the legs. Now, if I've always been a good boy, why do I bear in my body the marks, <coughs> the high calling of God, which is in peach tree? <laughs> why? Why? I'll ask my mother, what kind of boy is Jack? He's always been a good boy. <laughs> okay. If I was always been a good boy, then why when I got an N in conduct one time, uh, uh, a, uh, S was satisfactory, and an F was failure, and an N was in between, non-satisfactory. And I got an N in conduct or deportment on my report card. And I went home, and my mother said, she said, you're going to end up in a penitentiary. She said, all I did was shoot spitballs at a girl. And we had a girl in my class named Joy. Joy, 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 joy. I've got the joy, joy. Uh, a joy. Anyway, uh, she, she, and, and she had, she had the long hair tied in pigtails. And, she said, right, and, and we used to have the desk for the chair was hooked on the chair. Your chair was hooked on the person's desk behind you, and her pigtail just laid right down there on my desk. Now, anybody that doesn't pull those is not right with God. And so I just felt led every once in a while. And that teacher gave me an in in conduct, and I went home. Oh, that poor peach tree shook like it was in a storm. And, and, Going out and she grabbed a big old limb off that tree. She came back in and she had a wail and flailed till I thought the rapture had taken place and the Antichrist had come, was placing whelps on my little legs. And yet, Mama said, he's always been a good boy. If I've always been a good boy, why is it? When I came in one day and learned a new word, I said, hey, Mama, golly! Mama took the old bar of OK soap, the kind that wasn't wrapped, had a little, little sticker on the front, OK soap. I paid a nickel a bar for him, <laughs> and she got that okay soap, <laughs> and she got a wash rag, and she wrapped, wrapped that wash rag around her fingers like that, and she put that down in some hot water, uh, okay soap, and she's opened your mouth, and she washed my mouth for five minutes, and then she went out, and the peach tree shook as if it was in a storm, and uh, she brought the switches back in and wailed and flailed until I thought I was going, but anyway, and, and uh, uh, if I was always a good boy, why? If I was always a good boy, why? When the boy in front of me in school one time had suspenders and um, and uh, he was uh, his he was he was his name was James Alfred Hitt and he looked just like that James Alfred Hitt and he was he was the guy that made straight A's. I always hated the guys that made no boy is right with God who makes straight A's and and. I always hated it. He was the valedictorian of the senior class and, uh, and all of that. He threw a ball like that and basketball like that. Shot like that. And, and so he had suspenders on and the chair. 
He had a chair in front of me where he sat, had slats across it. A slat here, a slat here. So the suspenders, if I could undo them and pull them around the slat and then do them again, and when he got up to his sight, he could have the chair go with him to the platform. And so I did it. And I don't want you kids get the ideas now, but, but I... Now, I just couldn't help it, that's all. I was like a little boy named Johnny, had ants in his pants, really had ants in his pants. He wiggling back there, and the teacher said, Johnny, sit still. And Johnny said, I'm trying. And the teacher said, sit still. And she said, if you don't sit still, I'm going to spank you. And Johnny said, teacher, there's something going on back here you don't know nothing about. <laughs> and there's something going on. And so I got those suspenders and undid them. And then pulled him around that slat and got this one, undid it, and pulled it around that slat. <laughs> and then the teacher said, James Alfred, would you come to class and recite? He's always the guy that went up to recite. The teacher never asked me to recite because I didn't have anything to recite. I could incite a few things but couldn't recite much. <laughs> no, I, so uh, James Alfred hit, took off with the front. And uh, everywhere that James Alfred would go, the little uh, uh, chair went with him. And... Uh, what Mama did about that? Oh, my soul. <laughs> I mean, it had taken a whole orchard of peach trees to take care of me. <laughs> and, oh, she let me have it. I thought I'd die. I thought the grim reaper was coming. I called the priest to come and say seven Hail Marys for me. And, <laughs> and if I was always a good boy, why, Mama? Why? Don't you sit there and lie like that. You know what you did to me. <laughs> you wailed me, wailed a fire out of me again and again and again. But she said he's always a good boy. If I was always a good boy, then why? When I misbehaved in church, did I get it? My mom wasn't the kind that she didn't like what the teacher did. She said we'd pull him out of school. First thing, you couldn't pull a kid out of school in those days. In the second place, my mama had enough sense to take the teacher's part instead of the student's uh, kid's part. When I got a spanking at school, I got one at home. And then after she gave it to me, she found out why she did it. And so, <laughs> but uh, I misbehaved. In it. And all oh, those talks, those talks, those talks. Oh, my mama could make the saddest talk. <laughs> mama, if I was always a good boy, why that day when I was coming home from school? <laughs> um, they, there's an orchard there, a peach orchard and a, some pecan trees and a fence right along beside Ann Arbor Street down near the creek. <laughs> and uh, so we're walking home from school, and some boys said, Reckon we could reach some of those peaches and pecan? <laughs> as the fence had little holes in it like that. So <laughs> we reached and reached, couldn't quite make them. And so... Then about that time, one of the boys said, Jack, you're the smallest one. Why don't you climb up on top of the fence, and we'll hold on to you, and you can get down and reach them on the inside like that. We'll hold on to you, and you can throw us some peaches back and some pecans back. Well, I prayed about it and felt led to do it. And like some of you kids feel led to go with unsaved people. And some of you folks don't feel led to tithe. So I shouldn't have done it, but I did it. And so they got a hold of me. I was I was leaning uh, on the other side of the fence, but they had me. Fence is too high to, to climb, and it had uh, 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 barbed wire across the top. And so I, I they so about that time uh, looked up, and a fellow says, "Oh, there's a police department." And the police had been called, and they came out, and the fellows let me go. I fell on the inside of the orchard, and everybody else scampered home, and I was the only one caught with pecans and peaches. It wasn't even my idea. I thought it was a good one, but it wasn't my idea. Oh, my mother came. Oh, she said, son, I don't know a boy of mine have a, a jail record. I don't my boy of mine go to the penitentiary. Oh, my soul, I'd rather spend a life sentence in jail than get what I got. I want you to know the little place on me where no bones could get broken, and Mama let me have it. 
I mean, she hit me with a two-by-four. She hit me with a razor strap. She hit me. If the welfare had found out about that, I'd have been in a foster home before Mama got through. And then she talked to me and talked to me. Now, you say, what are you trying to say? There she sits tonight and says, my boy's always been a good boy. Why? Because my mother loves me. I'm in her family. And Mama did not impute those things against me. And that's exactly God's family ought to be to each other. I'll never forget what he did. I don't care. I'll never forget that. Then you're not Christ-like. I'll tell you, I'll hold that in my heart as long as I live. Then you're not Christ-like. And by the way, you're not happy either. Well, I'll tell you. Take your picture right there. But once you've known the great, wonderful joy of like Jesus does, like God does, God says He's my child. And because he's my child, if he sins, I'll punish him. But I will not impute that sin against his record. His sin I will remember no more. When I get to heaven, I'll say, Dear Lord, <laughs> you got my sins up here? And the God will say, What sin? And I'll say to him, just like I said to Mama, Then why did you spank me so much? Why did you punish me so much? And God said, I punished you. For your own good. And in order that I would not have to impute that sin against your record in glory. You hear me? If a church like this stands generation after generation after generation, we're going to have to learn that all of us are human, and that when mistakes are made and sins are made, when forgiveness is sought and folks come and get right with God, we have to say, I'll not even mark that against his record. And you'll be the happiest man you ever could be in your life. Imagine, folks. Imagine God not imputing your sins against you and you not imputing other sins against them. Think how happy that would make a person. You say, Brother Hyams, how is that possible? In the first place, in the first place loving God's people. Loving God's people. I said a while ago, listen, I'll tell you when you'll get merciful. Are you listening? I'll tell you when you get forbearing. I'll tell you when you get forgiving. I'll tell you when you believe in being patient with sinners. When it comes to your house. I have received letter after letter after letter. People say, got one, uh, got one Friday night, Thursday night. Thank you for standing with us during our difficult time. A member of the family had done something wrong, bad wrong, but got forgiveness. And he's trying to get back up. And if a person's trying to get back up, God forbid me to kick them back down. And that's the way there are people in this room tonight that anytime somebody that's fallen gets back up, kick them down, chop them, kick them down, don't let them up. Hey, kick them like you kick a dog. You know, we need to have some kind of society for the prevention of cruelty to sin in Christians. And there's not a man alive that preaches against more sin than I do. I said one year, in the year, I said, if anybody here can think of some sin I haven't preached against, I'll put a box down here in the front and write that sin down and put it in the box. There's not one single sin in that box. Why? I hate sin! I hate rattlesnakes, but if somebody gets bitten, I dead sure want to help them. I hate cancer, 
But if somebody has it, I'm going to pray for them, anoint them with oil, and ask God to heal them. I hate sin. It was sin that put the marks in the, in the scars in the hands of our Savior. It was sin that drove him to Pilate's hall. It was sin that placed the ten of nine tails across his back. It was sin that drove the nails and spikes into his hands and feet. It was sin that put him on the cross. It was sin that pierced his brow with a crown of thorns. It was sin that put the spear in his side. It was sin that caused him to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And nobody can love God unless he hates sin. But nobody can love God unless he loves sinners. Now, hear me carefully. When it comes to your house, your house, your house. Now, then, hear me now. Who among us tonight, who among us, if your daughter came in and said, Mama, I'm pregnant and I'm 15 or 16 years old, not married. If yours was the son who sinned with her. If yours was the daughter who was on dope and came in and said, Mama, I'm on dope. If yours was the young man who was became become an alcoholic, if your heart was the heart that was broken because blood of your blood and flesh of your flesh had fallen, if they walked down the aisle, you'd want to stand up behind this platform and say, Folks, please, please, folks, forgive them. I know they did wrong. Forgive them. Folks, don't charge at their account. Help me build them back up. I plead with you. Why? Because they're members of my family. Then make this entire church a part of your family. Same blood of Jesus that runs through my spiritual veins runs through yours. Have the same heavenly Father you have, same older brother you have, same Holy Spirit you have. We're members of a family. When sin comes into our family... If repentance is sought and forgiveness is sought, we ought to restore such an one. The Bible says, in the spirit of meekness, lest we too be overtaken in a fall. And the Savior still said to the, to the, 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 the man who caught this lady in the act of adultery, they still, he still said, he that's not guilty, throw the first stone. Now go put your stones up. Go put your stones up. There are enough young folks in this church that are clean and pure if you spend all your time yakking about those few that aren't. There are enough deacons in this church that are the best men in this whole world if you spend your time criticizing those that disappointed you. There are enough folks in this church that go soul winning, walk with God, and read this Bible for you not to spend your time talking about the few that disappoint us. In God's name, we're in the same family. We ought to have long-suffering long and patience and forbearance and kindness and forgiveness and justification, and we ought not to impute sin against each other. You say, preacher, how can I do it? <laughs> Another way, believe that people who are sinful are broken. <laughs> I have a watch here. It's one of those watches that has an alarm. <laughs> Bet you wish I'd set it for about 8.25 on Sunday night. Now, if that watch, every once in a while that watch gets broken, <laughs> the battery runs dead, <laughs> something goes wrong, what I do with it? I throw it on the floor and stomp it. You, I'll tell you, I've lost all confidence in watches, especially Accutron. I'll never have an Accutron again! <laughs> I'll never go to a store that sells them again or have a friend that wears one. No, that doesn't mean that 
that the company that makes Accutron watches is a bad company. All it means is one of their watches is broken. What do I do? <laughs> Rather than discarding it, I take it to a jeweler and say, look, can you see what's wrong with that watch? I was in, in Philadelphia. Watch broke. <laughs> I took it to a jeweler. Nobody in Philadelphia has got enough sense to fix it, so I had to go to the next place. And, um, but I, and he fixed it. Now then, <laughs> okay, watch. You might be running now, but I'll hold it against you all my life because you broke once. And I'll never really like you again. And I'll never set that alarm because I can't ever trust you anymore. No. Let's suppose. Seriously, <laughs> Mr. Crutchfield, <laughs> let's suppose that I heard something bad about you. I choose you because this week I heard something awful about you. <laughs> let's suppose. Okay, let's, let's suppose that uh, you still sell cars. That's what I heard awful about you. <laughs> but um, <laughs> let's suppose that I heard that... Um, you were at a meeting of car salesmen, and they served martinis, and you drank one. In the first place, I'd be shocked. In the second place, I wouldn't put a charge against your record. How long have you been in this church? How many? Eleven years. <coughs> I've seen him for eleven years. I've never one time been disappointed in him in eleven years. He's been loyal, <coughs> faithful, a good testimony. Now, after eleven years of running right... If he drinks one martini, I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to shed a few tears. But bless God, the minute he hits this, hits this altar or the minute I see him next, and if I think he's trying to do right, I'll guarantee you one thing, buddy. He's still a member of my church. You say, you mean you'd have a member of your church <coughs> that drank a martini? I got worse than that. I got some that robbed God. I got some sitting right here tonight <coughs> in this room. God robbers. Thieves! Crooks! Robbers of God, the tithe in your pocket or purse tonight. Somebody said, do you vote folks out of your church that don't live right? I said, where do we start? Start first with me. <coughs> because <coughs> sometimes I'll go a whole day and won't read my Bible very much. Now, not often, bless God, but sometimes I get busy and, and I'll uh, <coughs> pastor school. I didn't read the Bible like I usually do. Sometimes I forget to pray. I knelt beside my bed in Indianapolis, Indiana, <laughs> say my good night prayers <laughs> about 11.30 one night. <clears throat> next thing I knew, the alarm was going off, 5.45 next morning. I slept on my knees beside the bed. Woke up, started praying, looked out, saw the sun coming up. <clears throat> no. No. This is not. A, a room where spiritual relics come and display their loveliness. This is a room where dirty, hell-deserving sinners come, <laughs> who are sincere, who want to do right, but can't always do right, who have the old nature as well as the new. We have the devil tempting us. We have the world, the flesh, the devil. We ought to stop and realize that when some do wrong, they're broken. We ought to do what we can with the grace of God to get them fixed. You say, that's not Christ-like. Okay, let me give you a scripture. These, my little children, these things <laughs> write I unto you that you sin not. First John 2, 1. And if any man sin, what? We have an advocate. We, John wrote that, including himself. If any man sin, <laughs> we. He didn't say if any man sin, 
He has an advocate. We have an advocate with the Father. That word advocate is the same word that's used of the Holy Spirit. It's a word paraclete. It means to run to somebody's side when they fall and pick them up. I've used this illustration many years ago. Here. Here's a, here's a, chi- a mother has a child. <coughs> All mothers do have a child. And uh, so, <laughs> child's about four or five years old, said, Mommy, <coughs> can I go across the street and play with uh, Susie? I said, it's a boy child, uh, because they're worse than girl children. And so, <coughs> Mommy, <coughs> I go across the street and play with Johnny? <coughs> yes, son, but uh, you be careful now, and don't you run across the street. And I want you to stop and look both ways before you cross the street. So little Johnny, oh, he gets excited. He, he starts walking, and then all of a sudden he, gets, he sees Johnny cross the street. And if he forgets what Mama said, he runs across the street. He slips on some gravel. He falls down. <coughs> he skins himself, gives himself a strawberry. Did you ever get a strawberry? Oh, sliding into third base, I've got more strawberries. That's when the skin just peeled off right there. And oh, my soul, worse than cancer or any other thing. <coughs> and so I... Uh, um, so he gets him a strawberry, and, and, and he, oh, mommy, 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 mommy. <laughs> they always call for mommy. I don't care how old they are, they always call for mommy. A football game's going on. Dallas Cowboys are playing San Francisco 49ers. Here's a guy, 280 pounds. Big old guy, has a beard, long beard, look, looks worse than mean Joe Green. <clears throat> He's out there, <laughs> blood and guts running all over the field. He comes over to the sideline. I'll tell you how I boy, let's get him, let's get him, let's get him. And the camera points to him and he says, Hi, Mom. It's never high dead. Hi, Mom. <laughs> mommy! And here's the boy. He, he dis- disobeyed Mommy. Mom said, don't run across the street. Look both ways. He ran. He fell. <laughs> what did Mama do? <laughs> she goes out in the street. She picks him up. She hugs him and says, Son, are you hurt bad? Mom, mom, And she brings him what she do, huh? Takes him in, gets a stick and hits him across the head and says, You sorry rascal to you. <coughs> Calls St. Margaret's Hospital and said, Come and get him. Take him back. <coughs> huh? Oh, that's what you do the family of God, she brings him in. She wipes a little strawberry there. <laughs> she gets some, oh, my mother used to use iodine. Ooh. <laughs> Thought of it. <laughs> iodine or peroxide. <laughs> it's that stuff that makes a meringue. <laughs> So, she, and then she then she ch- changed, changes his little Johnny's clothes, the boy's clothes, and then she uh, uh, she said, "Now, son, I told you not to cross the street like that." And so uh, he said, "Mommy, can I still go play with Johnny?" Yes, but now, son, be careful and look both ways before you cross the street. And so, and, and don't run. Oh, he goes and doesn't mean to run, but he gets out of out to the street. And, hey, Johnny! He runs across the street. Old car's coming. He stops and slides, and the car misses him, and he falls down. And the strawberry gets a strawberry. And he, hey, oh, 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 Mom. Mommy! What Mama do? She comes out. She takes him back in. And then she says, now, son, <laughs> I, uh, I, I'll give you one more chance. 
Now, if you, if you run across that street, and if you fall one more time and disobey me, I'm going to bring you in here and set you down beside the ironing board so I'm keep my eyes on you. I can't trust you outside my sight. And that's what the Lord Jesus does. The Lord Jesus, we stumble and fall. He says, I run to your side. Picks us up. Forgives us. He may spank us a little bit after he cleans us up, but he says, don't do it again. But we do it again. And he says, okay, I'll clean you up, pick you up, clean you up, but don't do it again. And then finally, he said one more time like that, I'm going to have to bring you on up to heaven so I can keep my eye on you. God doesn't say, I'll kill you if you do that one more time. God doesn't say that. God in His mercy says, I can't trust you down on earth. You keep running across the street and falling down. And, and uh, for your own good, I'm going to bring you up to heaven now and let you stay here with me. And uh, can't trust you anymore. But the Lord is merciful. And the Lord is patient. And the Lord is forgiving. And how forgiving we ought to be. How tender-hearted we ought to be. How long-suffering and forbearing we ought to be with sinners. People that, that, uh, that disappoint us. <laughs> and then... We ought to realize that that you're likely to do the same thing. There's no temptation taken us, but such is common to man. You know, a fellow beats his wife, you'd beat yours too if she wasn't so big. Somebody used to say to old Dr. Bob Jones Sr., Is it everyone divorce your wife? He said, Never. Used to like this. He said, Never, never, never. Said, I've wanted to choke her to death several times, but never wanted to divorce her. One day I was sitting with Dr. John Rice down in Indianapolis in a, in, a, in a motel coffee shop. I just got in on a Monday afternoon. <laughs> Walked in. He was eating. I ordered a bowl of soup. I crashed. When he thought, he used to do like this. He'd... He's doing like that. And I, he didn't hardly know I was there. He said, Ha! Huh! He said, Aren't women peculiar? And I said, Dr. Rice... Have you and Miss Rice had a little fuss today? He said, not a bad one. <laughs> uh, isn't that encouraging to you? Uh, uh. One day, Ma Sunday told me how she and Billy didn't speak for a whole day. <laughs> isn't that good? Isn't that good? Doesn't that encourage you some? Huh? Listen to me. I don't care what sin's been committed. You've got the potential for the same sin. And you better treat people like you won't be treated when you stumble. And that means that you don't. <laughs> you don't impute sin to them. As I look at you tonight, I want to look at you as Jesus does. Then I must find out how he looks at you. Folks, I average 150 folks a week in my office. Average 150 folks a week. I dare say 75 of those have done something bad they want to confess. Not, not to confess to me as a priest, but just to get off their chest and tell me to pray for them. I know enough about people in this room to put you in a penitentiary. And I would tell it, but you know enough about me to put me in the next cell. Look at me carefully. You're looking tonight <coughs> at a man who is as sincere as any man you'll ever put your eyes on. Now, I'm not claiming to be good. <coughs> But I'll guarantee you one thing. There's not one sinew of flesh in my body that's not sincere. And if I weren't sincere, I'd never walk through that door, sit in this chair, stand behind this pulpit again. But I want you to look at me carefully. (coughs) Sincerity is about all I have to merit. Because these hands are made of clay. 
I never, never knowingly, never knowingly mistreat anybody. And when I mistreat anybody, when I find out they think I have, immediately I contact them and get them and say, look, if you think I've mistreated you, let me know. And I'll, if I owe you some money, I'll, if I don't think I do, but you think I do, I'll pay you what you think I owe you. But these hands are made of clay, and sometimes they do things they should not do, and so are yours. And if this church remains the great church it is tonight through the years, we're going to have to do what, what Jesus, what God does to all of us. We're going to have to pray and warn that folks will not go into sin. When folks do go into sin, and if they want to get back up, we try to pick them back up. And we do not impute their right to their sin against them. That's the happiest way in the world to be. I'm through after I say this and some more. I'm happy tonight because my sins are not charged against me. I'm happy tonight because God has not imputed my sins to me. I'm happy tonight because God has imputed the righteousness of Jesus Christ to me. And on my record in heaven, not only is my record free from sin, but my record possesses every positive, good attribute about the Savior. That makes me happy. Let me tell you when I'm the happiest. When somebody has done me wrong, mistreated me, (coughs) tried to hurt me, and those occasions where the Holy Spirit lets me not charge it to their record, and where He lets me look at them like I looked at them beforehand, and I go to bed at night and say, I did not charge it to their record. And then I see them get back on their feet. I see them as they try to do right and realize that maybe I had just a little part of being a help to the Savior when he ran to pick them up. Once you've ever tasted the sweet fruit of forgiveness, you'll never be satisfied again with a rotten fruit of vengeance.